As 2020 comes to a close, we want to thank you for your generosity. Even in the midst of a global pandemic, we've seen tremendous support for Greater. Less than two weeks ago, we were all challenged by Pastor Tommy Barnett to do the unusual. And in our miracle offering, over $136,000 came in for Greater. That put us just $84,000 away from hitting the $1 million mark once again. As you consider a year-end contribution, we are believing that goal is very much in reach. There are multiple ways that you can give. You can give in person at any of our locations by utilizing the offering envelope. You can give online by going to lifechurchwi.com giving, or you can give by texting any amount to 84321. Regardless of how you give or what you give, we are so encouraged by your faithfulness this year. We've been able to make an incredible impact in 2020 that is felt around the corner and around the world. Life Church, it is so great to be able to join you, whether it's online or in person at one of our four campuses for our Christmas Eve services this year. Today, I just want to take a couple of minutes and I just want to reflect on one verse of scripture that's given primarily and, and with, with intentionality towards the birth of Jesus Christ. It's talking about the name of Jesus. That's what I want to talk to you about just for a couple of moments. You know, what's in a name? I mean, a name is, is a name kind of defines us. It, it, it kind of speaks to who and what we are. And I know uh, today, a lot of times we have names that are given to our children because it sounds a particular way or because it's popular. And then sometimes that popular, good sounding name is kind of mixed with maybe it's a, it's a parent or a grandparent or, or, or some type of a, of, of a, of a family name. Uh, as you're looking at names, they all have meanings. Aaron, my name, you may laugh, and I'm probably going to get a little bit of ridicule on this, but it means exalted one or mountain of strength. Amen. <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of people that have the name of Aaron. In the Old Testament, Aaron is Moses' brother. He, he's the, the voice piece of Moses as they are, are leading the nation of Israel. He's pretty good until he creates the golden calf, which is a whole other story that we won't talk about today. Um, in, in U.S. history, there was a, a prominent U.S. senator called Aaron Burr. Uh, and we, all of us who are, love the Green Bay Packers, we all know and love Aaron Rodgers. The truth of the matter is there's many people that have the name Aaron, but there's only one Aaron Cole. That's me. Same thing is true of you. There may be many people that have your first name or your last name or your middle name, but there's only one you. And Isaiah, when he gives and announces this Christ child in the prophecy given in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he doesn't give this Christ child, Jesus, one name, but he gives him four names. I don't know any of us that have four names, but he gives them four names. I want to read this for us. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Anytime you see something in redundancy in Scripture, it's given to give emphasis. Isaiah gives him four different names. And on this Christmas Eve, I just want to stop for a moment because we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ on Christmas. 
We celebrate the fact that God loved you and I so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that Jesus left the glory and the splendor of heaven and he came to this earth and he clothed himself in humanity. Yes, he was 100% God, born of by the Holy Spirit, but 100% man, born of by the Virgin Mary. And this, this, this son of God, Jesus Christ, Isaiah says that he is so powerful, that he is so awesome, that he, the savior of the world, it can't just be given one name, but there's four names. The word wonderful counselor. If you go back into the original Hebrew in which Isaiah would have written this, counselor is an advisor, one that speaks and urges certain direction and action and thought, implying that the advice that is given is considered wise and valuable. Isn't that what Jesus is? The counsel that he will give is of supernatural source and wisdom. As we read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Jesus doesn't just give us something that's just kind of flat and, and, and non-life-changing, but his words are life. He is that counselor that speaks for us and guides us and directs us. It's even interesting to me that word counselor is the same word that we would use for an attorney or for the word advocate, which is somebody who pleads on behalf of someone else. It's like in a court of law, you may have a, have a judge speak to the attorneys in the room and say, counselor, present your case at this point in time. That's exactly even what Jesus does. So, so when Isaiah is speaking of his ability to be a counselor, this wonderful counselor, this one who, who speaks direction and, and changes the way we think and gives wisdom and advice that's highly valuable. Yes, that's exactly what he did 2,000 years ago. And we still read those words today. But Jesus tells the disciples that even when he goes away to the Father, he will be our advocate, our counselor, the one who will go before us. So even in his death and his resurrection, until we see him, he's in this role that Isaiah describes. Mighty God is a second name that Isaiah gives Jesus. The Hebrew word mighty means a valiant, powerful warrior. It implies a strength that's exclusively given to deity. This word mighty God is that Jesus is divinely strong, that it doesn't just speak of him as a man, but it also speaks of him as God, as deity, because he was more than just someone who spoke truth the way the counselor would and would advise and give wisdom the way Jesus's words are and were and will always be. But he's powerful. He's mighty because he's divine. This phrase, mighty God, this word mighty in the Hebrew, it's a title that the Lord himself uses only for himself. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, and Nehemiah 9, 32, and Jeremiah 32, 18. It's, it's this divine strength and power that God uses exclusively for himself. And isn't that exactly what Jesus is? When you and I are weak, he is strong. He is our mighty warrior our valiant warrior, our divinely strong strength and tower of strength in our weakness. Isaiah goes beyond wonderful counselor, mighty God, to using the words everlasting father, everlasting. It means in the, in the original Hebrew, eternal and perpetuity without end. His existence is without end. 
His power is without end. His love is without end. Jesus is without end. He is eternal. And Father, which is in the Hebrew the source of benevolence, protection, a gracious king. The the, the Hebrew phrase everlasting father is unique, only showing up one time in scripture. This is the only time this phrase is used. And it's used to describe Jesus. This eternal, without end, benevolent, protecting, gracious king. One time, only used for him. And lastly, Prince of Peace. Prince, the head, the captain, the chief, the ruler, the steward, that person whom is over. What peace? The Hebrew word shalom, which means completeness, soundness, health, and prosperity. Jesus is the head of, the captain of, the chief of, the steward of completeness today and for eternity. Soundness in this life and the life thereafter. Health today, isn't he the divine healer? Amen. And he is our prosperity. He's that which prospers our soul today and forever. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, shalom, and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Jesus is the ruler whose reign will bring about peace. Peace, first of all, between us and God. Because of Jesus, the gap, the chasm between who we are and who God is, who God expects us to be and who we're not. That, that gap that between us and God that sin created. Before we were ever born, we were born into this sin nature. Jesus comes in and says, I will be the, the bridge. I will be the peace. I will be the one that will bring that wholeness, that completeness between you and between God the Father. Jesus is the peace between us and others. If we've ever needed this today, we need this now. If we've ever needed this in the United States, we need the Prince of Peace now to bring about peace between us and others, between our neighbors and our friends and family members and people across the street and people we're driving down the freeway with and people that we work with and people that look like us and people that don't. Jesus is that one that brings about that peace. That's what Isaiah is saying. He's not just one-dimensional. He's not just two-dimensional. He's multi-dimensional and he brings about peace between us and others. And he also brings about the peace in us. Because how many of you know, you can have this entire world and still not have peace. Money can't buy peace. Power can't buy peace. Fame can't buy peace. What family you're born into can't buy peace. But Jesus, oh, he's the steward. He's the head. He's the chief. He's the captain over the peace that you need in your own soul today. So on this Christmas, according to Isaiah's words, words that were given to him by God the Father, we celebrate that God became flesh in order to give you and I wisdom, strength, 
comfort and peace today and for eternity. And so even today, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're at, at, at a campus and, and you're watching and you don't have that relationship with God. You don't know him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You can. You can know him as that by simply saying, Jesus, I accept the fact that you are God's gift to me, that you are the son of God. You are who the Bible says you are. And I believe that you are my salvation, that I am a sinner in need of a savior and I confess my sins and I ask you to come into my heart and into my life. And in that moment, he becomes the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, the mighty God, the prince of peace for you. Oh, he is all of that, but he becomes that in real time in your life. So today, as we get ready to wrap everything up, we're gonna go into a time of communion. So if you're watching at home, you can prepare yourself with, with getting the, 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 the cup and the juice and, and the bread and, and you can begin to get those elements together. And maybe today you're far away from God and, and you don't have a relationship with him. And just like I just said, you can ask him to come into your heart and your life and this can be your first communion. You may be at home watching and you have children around. So moms and dads, you can make a decision if they're able to be able to understand and that they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and you lead them in this. I'm, I'm gonna walk you through it, you're not alone. But I want you to get those elements of the cup and, and of, the, of the bread. Even if you have to hit pause for a moment and go get that, then bring it back together. And we're gonna take communion together on this Christmas Eve. And today, if you're far away from God, you can simply ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to come into your life and be your Lord and be your Savior. I want to take just a moment and I just want to quiet our hearts and I just want to pray. And then I'm going to walk us through these elements and then we're going to end with a song and we're going to be done for this Christmas Eve service. Would you bow your heads with me? And even if you're not a Christ follower and you want to give your life to Christ right now, just, just pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I accept that you are God's son God's gift of salvation for me. Come into my heart and come into my life. Save me from my sins. I confess my sins to you. And I invite you in my life today. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray right now in this moment as we quiet our hearts, your word says that we should examine our own hearts and we should look upon our hearts and see if there's anything that's inside of us that's not right with you. So Lord, if there's anything, Holy Spirit, convict us right now in this moment, whether in person or online, God, wherever we are, I just pray that you would just speak to our hearts. And as you do, Lord, and we, we just simply say, God, forgive me. The Bible says that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we just ask. So Lord, right now, we just confess any sin before you. We confess any fault before you. Just right there with your head bowed and your eyes closed. If there's anything that the Holy Spirit prompts to your heart, just say, Jesus, forgive me for. Jesus, forgive me for. Jesus, forgive me. And he will, and he does. Lord, as we prepare our hearts now and we take this communion, we celebrate God, the fact that you loved us enough to give Jesus Christ, your one and only son, that he left the glory and the splendor of heaven. He clothed himself in humanity and became that wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, 
Prince of Peace for us. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you should have the elements, and if you would take those, and if you're here with me live and in person, you've got this, and you just simply peel off the top part of the cellophane and just peel it off and peel, peel it back, and then you take the wafer. Now, when you take this wafer in your hand, and we're going to pray over this. This bread symbolizes Jesus' body. And on this Christmas, we celebrate the fact that God loved you and I enough that he gave his one and only son, and Jesus came to this earth, born of a virgin. Again, in order for Jesus to pay for the sins of humanity, he had to be 100% God and 100% man. This bread symbolizes his humanity, his body, which was broken for us. And the Bible says every time that we take of this bread, that we're to remember his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection until he comes. Let's just hold this and let's pray. Father, I thank you for what this bread symbolizes. And I thank you, Lord, that you loved us enough that you came to this earth. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're no longer a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, but you are resurrected. You're God. You're at the right hand of the Father. And I thank you for your body, which came to earth in bodily form, and that's what we celebrate this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the bread together. Now, if you have this cup, just take it easy and pull that cellophane and that, the other top layer, the little silver layer, all the way back. And the Bible says that this cup symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood symbolizes not his humanity, but his divinity. The fact that he is of God, that he is the son of God, that he is a part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That from God he came and to God he returns, that he is God himself. It's all the things that Isaiah says of him, that he is mighty God, everlasting Father, wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace. And because of this, when Jesus Christ came to this earth and he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again, this blood that was shed, which is what this cup symbolizes, it takes our sin. And though our sins be scarlet, this blood washes it white as snow. That's what this cup symbolizes, is that Jesus Christ forgives us of our sins. He has the ability to do that. And that he remembers our sin no more when we confess it to him every single time, just like we did before we began to take communion today. This is what saves us, not ourselves, not our actions, not our perfect church attendance, but Him. Shall we pray? Father, I just thank you that Jesus, not only did you come to earth and clothe yourself in humanity, but you were 100% God and you lived this life and you died on the cross and your blood was spilled for us. We did not have the ability to go to the cross for ourselves, but you did for us. And so today, Father, we thank you on this Christmas Eve and we give you praise as we take this cup together and we remember your life and your death and your resurrection until you come again. Amen. Let's take the cup together. Now today, as we've opened up God's word on this Christmas Eve, 
as some of you have given your life to Christ for the very first time. And if you did and you're online, please let us know. There's a, a connections card, kind of a next step card that you can communicate that to us because we just want to celebrate with you. That's it. We're no intrusion. We want to celebrate with you. Make sure you've got a Bible. If you don't have one, we're going to give you one. And we just want to celebrate. But whether you're joining us live or on, online, in person, at a campus, however, we're going to wrap up today. And we're going to have Life Church Music come and do one more song, Silent Night, one of the great classics of the church for this Christmas season. And my prayer is, is that you will have a Merry Christmas, a very blessed new year, and that who Jesus is as mighty counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, Prince of Peace, will be so alive in your life in this Christmas season and beyond. May God bless you today. And silent night, holy night, all is gone, all is bright. So